Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Creepy Pasta Throwdown on Undercooked Analysis. To my right, in the red corner, we have the bartender of finality himself, the palate cleanser, the one, the only, Dead Palate. And I break kayfabe quite a bit. It's very true. That's why the smarts aren't crazy about you. And in the blue corner, he's written at least a thousand stories or something. I don't know. At least 25% of them good. <laughs> but most people attribute them to some terrible narrator types anyway. It doesn't matter. So uh, here's Slime Bees. It's slime time, bitches. Our referee for tonight. You know him, you love him, you've probably given him a couple of uh, fish on occasion because he is in fact a four-eyed cat. He hides in the dark and describes ARG things to people because it's cool. The one, the only, Nick Nocturne. I want a clean fight tonight. No scratching, no biting, no crotch hitting, and especially no John Cena! Oh man! Sorry, I I do have to agree that Dead Palette's time is up, and my time is now. Well, can you can you recite those lyrics verbatim? Because uh, I can. Oh shit! I have Go the for album. It. No. <laughs> I can doesn't mean I will. Moderator, I I think we need to hear him do it. You know, you know what. I'm I'm kind of for it, um, Nick. What do you think? I have no idea what we're talking about. John Cena <laughs> released an album. It was actually kind what? of okay. Yeah. You're uh, kidding me? No. He, he's a rapper. What do you think? Wait, what did you expect? I have to ask you a question. Is this album called "You Can't CD"? Mm. Uh, 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 no, that's that's jokes? the that's the digital download. <laughs> well you know what we'll we'll tell you what if uh that'll be one of the win the win cons if uh if uh, if slime beast wins this debate uh dead palette sings the song for us at the end or d- performs the rap at the end hmm. and, fair enough all right but maybe should be clear so uh after that wrestling intro so yeah i'm just basically i'm just basically the the ed mcmahon here i'm looking from afar but not mm. not really, because the uh, Ed McMahon. So there's money to be won, is what you're saying? You're going to present us with a check? I will. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. There's gonna oh, be... you you know you know Slime Beast always interested in the money. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Consider... So what I'm hearing is that you're making a contractual agreement. Is that true? <laughs> <laughs> what have I done? Enforceable so... in court. Is that true? <laughs> So for a little bit, a little bit of context here, we are going to be uh, having a little bit of a, a discussion of opposing viewpoints about the infamous creepypasta Candle Cove, written by Chris Straub, Chris Straub. of Chainsaw Suit. Asshole. Pardon me. I, I see yeah. that right out the gate here. We have some strong opinions. Uh, <laughs> slimy, can, slimy. can can I start? And can I start with negatives? Even though I I am the yay in this. I am the, it is a good story. 
can I get some negatives out of the way? What do you think, Nick? Yeah, absolutely. You can go ahead and uh, <clears throat> you can go ahead and uh, present uh, the case for negatives that you're already aware of. So he's basically uh, going to be a pickup artist negging his own story <laughs> that he likes. <laughs> All right. So Chris Straub, not the greatest mind on whore. Really not. Kind of um, misses the point sometimes. He has a um, like a video series where he discusses creepypastas, and a lot of the times he kind of misses the point. Like with uh, Squidward's suicide, he's just like, why did there have to be uh, <laughs> uh, dead children in this? And it's like, well, the story worked its way up to that. I don't know. Didn't make so it a particularly good story. Just... Am I allowed to compliment his negative points by adding two? His negative points? Please do. Go for it. You might have, this is the, Not part, only this is like did the handshake question. part before you actually start fighting. Yeah, we're touching gloves. Not only did yeah, he question. Yeah, because I gotta say, I didn't know that this was gonna be the guy who made, uh... Didn't know this was gonna be the guy who made Squidward Suicide, so yeah, deck's already stacked against him. <laughs> <laughs> no. oh, go ahead, go ahead. Well, he, did, he didn't make Squidward Suicide, he just reviewed it. Right. He did an analysis of it. Here's the, the thing. As Dead Palette mentioned... Yeah, Chris Straub. Chris Straub asked why there had to be images of dead children in the story. He also, of his own volition, came up out of nowhere with the question of why the show had to be made by a serial killer who killed children and put his victims in the show, which is not even in the story and not even alluded to or inferred. <laughs> so he was so off base, he invented his own head cannon. <laughs> And then decided it was offensive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all around weird guy. But yeah. yeah. Uh, Pretty much. I am a stickler on using as much realism as you can to stick your crazy shit into. And Candle Cove would work a lot better if the forum that it was coming from actually existed. The net nostalgia forum is not really a thing. He just posted it on a website and said, it's from this website. Hmm. And I'm like, eh, go through the work of making the, putting it on a website, you know, like mm -hmm. actually a forum. And actually getting on something awful. Yeah. And also, uh, speaking of kayfabe, I know who wrote Candle Cove. And so that's a point against it. Hmm. So this is, this is going to be really easy for me. So, Slime Beast, you start with your negatives now, I suppose. Oh, uh... Here it goes. Round one. I was thinking that we were going to go into... Is this, like, my round to explain everything derogatory about it? Maybe not everything. Like, make you know, make some key points, and then we'll we'll jump back. And like, we'll, I, okay. I, I think you might... I, I would imagine you guys would, like, piggyback off each other's points. Yeah. Ah, shit. Okay. My premise for uh, addressing this was to break it down into three parts one being the format of the story which is what you know a lot of people laud about the story you know the format of how it's told through forum posts the second part was going to be about the show itself that's described and the third part was going to be about the twist of the whole story so i had you know i have the points broken down as such so it'll seem random basically you know what i'm coming up with but I'm not... do, do point one, and then I'll respond to point one, okay. and we'll just do it like that, yeah. Okay. 
And I want to be clear that this is not like a bad, horrible creepypasta. Like, it's not Jeff the Killer, you know, in terms of that level. It's not Sonic.exe. But my thought on it is that it's very meh and also has a lot of praise and, I guess, legendariness that is not really based on the story itself when you look at, you know, just what's in the story. Anyway, my first point was going to be about the format, which uh, it succeeds entirely on the format, essentially. If you told the story differently, like if you just said, when I was a child growing up, I saw this TV show, and it was about these pirates and so on and so forth, and then I realized I was watching Static, you know, whatever. If you just told the story flat that way, it would be sort of like, okay, you know, interesting read, but nothing really... There's, like, no meat to it, essentially. If you look at Dead Bart, you know, Squidward's Suicide, you know, stories like that which are considered lesser, they essentially are basically the same exact story as Candle Cove, with the two differences of the format and the fact that it's making up a show as opposed to talking about a real show. So that's part of what I think is derogatory, or not derogatory, but like a detracting thing about the whole story is that if it was in a different format, it wouldn't succeed. Uh, You know, there's a lot of realism fail in this, like you were talking about a realistic kind of setting. Um, And I I feel like I'm talking too much, so feel free to interject or whatever. No, no, go for it. Go for it, whatever you're whenever you're willing to concede the floor, keep going. If you want to. <laughs> He's a filibuster. Well, I just, I'm kind of waiting for, you know, someone to speak up, so I probably okay. won't concede unless I'm forced to. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> first of all, all right. the net nostalgia forum, as you said, my, my problem isn't really with the fact that the board doesn't exist. Part of my problem is that it has a local television board. Like an international you know, internationally acceptable or accessible website has a board specifically for local television for everybody in the world to put their local television discussions up there throughout past and present. And, you know, every local television show that you could possibly think of is all crammed in this board. And through some miracle, people from the exact same location find each other on this local television board that has every local TV show, <laughs> you know, it just kind of, it doesn't hang together very well to me. It's sort well, of the, like, there yeah, are things, there are things like that in real life. Oh yeah. There are, there are websites like topics and stuff where people congregate online based on where they are geographically and talk about certain things. I actually, right, um, but I mean, was, if it was, had said, Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Like I actually recently went to point pleasant and apparently, like, everyone in Point Pleasant knows everyone else in Point Pleasant. So, like, people go onto the forum to discuss uh, what's going on in the town. And, right. <laughs> like, everyone's in everyone's business because of that website. <laughs> I, I think I would have liked more if it had been, like, local television slash a subforum. Like, a local area for where these people are, or, you know... uh a board for trying to get information about something you have to remember or something. Because, you know, these boards do exist, as you say, and, you know, so on and so forth. I just find it kind of odd from the beginning of, you know, welcome to, you know, netnostalgia.com. Here's our various boards, including a local television board just about local television in general for everybody. And, you know, I'm picturing what would this board look like, you know, 
anybody in Seattle remember this show? And, you know, oh, the, this show from Chattanooga. And, you know, I'm like thinking of, you know, how odd that would all look, you know, in one big cluster of a local television board on a main website. I don't know. Maybe I'm just, you know, I'm probably nitpicking from a web design standpoint, but. Not yeah, true. I don't. I don't know how the website would be laid out. I would presume it would be something like topics, though. Where would be I've like, never been there. Like, <laughs> what is what is topics laid out like? If if it's not too much to describe, uh, it's a website where people just discuss various things, and um, it's it's usually set up as a place for people in a in a certain area to discuss topics of that area. So you can go onto like the Chillicothe board if you're me and then and then just see like all of the political bullshit and you know, backstabbing and all of the espionage that goes into uh, a, sp- a certain area. So there's just right. like all of this drama and stuff being discussed on this website. So there's a uh, building in Chillicothe where people are like where a, a massive amount of arson took place. This giant building called the Carlisle building built, uh, burned up and a lot of people are on there discussing, um, like, gossiping about when it happened and everything and, like, throwing out conspiracy theories. And it's like, okay, this is just all kinds of discussion about this one topic. And it's people meeting online that are are relatively close to each other. So right. it seems completely plausible to me that you would have something like that. And right. especially, it, it in, is plausible. I'm I'm just looking at it more like imagine a forum where you went to the board and it was called arson and in parentheses local. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know that that's what the story is setting up, though. I guess I mean it says at the beginning net nostalgia forum dash television. You know, parentheses local. I assume that's the name of the board. Maybe not. Well, I could well totally you could also be in the circumstance of you grew up grew up outside of Ashland moved away, go onto the board for Ashland and be like, hey, does anyone remember this? I used to watch this when I lived there. Right, for, for all we know, and I just want to interject here, I mean, um, it, I was thinking about this, a lot of the older boards were very, like, especially in my early career on the internet, were very small, even if they had b- bigger names, and they just dealt with people who were kind of more local, but... Again, I, I I also get where you're coming from there, Slime Bees, because we don't we don't have enough context about when this is in the internet or right, you know, or uh, I mean, how the big thing this of, website you know, is. Everybody's saying where they live in the story is kind of like they don't know that everybody in that er- you know on that board is from the same area because you wouldn't say, you know, I lived in Ironton, you know, and you know other people would be like, yeah, no shit, this is the Ironton, you know, oh, <laughs> local yeah, television yeah, board. That's, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> but you know I, that's sort of I, I kind of that's a little nitpick you know basically about the realism of it you know it's just the website in general but uh, actually I'm off that same off topic here, I, I I do have something to say about this listening to the both sides of it and taking a look at it myself what I will say is that plausibility for the case of this form having an area that can be pinned down as local to a certain region plausibility is high probability is low here you can absolutely have something that is akin to a reddit where you have a specific subreddit localized for a certain region and in that certain region you can go ahead and talk about it but in thinking of something like net nostalgia 
you would have a website called Net Nostalgia, which, you know, of course, goes through old things, collects it on the Internet, and they have a forum. To have that forum broken up into specific regions, then you would be opening yourself up as a web developer to create that based on people's needs to put in old local things. Now, that is a need that I can see arising, but if this is mainly a media sort of site, I can't see that as much. It is very plausible, but it's just not probable. But that's the thing, is Creepypasta, almost by its very definition, is very plausible, very improbable. It's a, yeah, it's a highlighted but the setup story. needs to be strong enough for us to believe. Remember the belief base. The belief base needs to be there. I need to believe in the reality of the situation before it turns paranormal. Otherwise, I will not experience the horror of the situation. Well, that, I think, transitioned us into another topic, is I think that the story has a believable yet very interesting arc, because it starts off like uh, not really getting into the details of the show. They're just talking about this crappy public access show. And then slowly but surely, these people start remembering the details of the show. And that's when all of the, the bullshit comes out. And then it's like, no, that was a fucking episode. I remember that shit. And so there there is this um, element of them denying their own story. And they're like, no, that that can't be right. But everyone is starting to come to those same conclusions. And it's slowly starting to freak everyone out because everyone started talking about it like it's a terrible show. And then the topic changed from it's a terrible show that we all remember to there are these horrific things that happened on this show. Hmm. I, I sort of have, that's another thing in my litany of nitpicks. If you and I, you know, dead palette, have, have you seen uh, the movie Akira? Yes. I do not like it. Okay. So, do you remember when, is it Tetsuo, you know, morphs into yeah. the giant monster? Mm-hmm. Do you remember how one of the characters is named Kaneda? Uh, that sounds familiar. Uh... Okay, do you remember that there are biker gangs with, like, clown outfits? That sounds vaguely familiar. Okay, do you remember, you know, you see, this is, like, very annoying, because I'm taking something you said you saw... And I'm saying, do you remember this? Do you remember this? Do you remember this? That basically is the entirety of this story. <laughs> Does anybody remember this show? You know, it was called Candle Cove. And someone says, I remember this show. You know, exposition about the show. Oh, yes, I remember that. Exposition about the show. <laughs> okay, I'm not crazy. Exposition about the show. You know, it's sort of like... You know, having like a discussion it was a with somebody who scripted? has seen... Oh, I'm sorry, what now? <laughs> like it was a little too scripted? Because yes. as I'm going through this on the side, on the other monitor here, one, the one main thing that is absolutely jumping out to me as the biggest red flag is the setup here, the context, is that this is a forum where people came together and they just started going off of each other's questions like you, like you just did with Dead Palette. Do you remember this? Yeah, I sort of remember that. I, I, there's something like that. We don't exactly have that set up here. We've got people remembering a little bit too specifically the things that happened, 
and describing them a little too similarly to each other in a more professional writer manner. That's just yes. not how the common man is. That's what I was, yeah, that was my eventual thing I was working to, is that you can clearly see, you know, Chris's hand in the story. Yeah. Because I, basically it's like, you know, here's this person, and he says, yeah, I remember that. But then we get back to describing the pirate show. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I if think you look that... in the story, and I, just, I don't want to interrupt too much, but I'll just say this one thing and then I'll stop. If you look in the story and you count every time you see the word remember, like, does anyone remember this? I remember that. I'm remembering now. I remember. You know, it's the same basic setup used over and over again. And you can just count how many times it says, you know, each different person says remember as a word. And it just becomes glaring. You know what I mean? <laughs> we are talking and Again, about, that's a nitpick. But. We are talking about the net nostalgia form where I think remembering <laughs> might be kind of important and <laughs> well, a big true. part of the topic. That's I think true. that the story's arc is very idealized, but plausibly incidental. It is very plausible that people will remember these details in this order because the author thought of a way to write that in, I think. So for um, the buildup, it feels like these people are incidentally remembering things in a specific order. I think that you would remember a lot more than you might think. If everyone was remembering little specific details you're going to start remembering them. So if, like, I say to you, like, hey, do you remember this episode of The Simpsons? You're probably going to say, like, if you watch The Simpsons, you're going to be like, yeah, I, I remember that. I completely forgot about that, though. They are remembering these things, and they had forgotten them. That right. is an integral part of nostalgia is it's, it's a very... Um, people think of it as a positive emotion. It's not a positive emotion. It's the feeling of remembering something that you loved, that you had forgot about, and then you get this depressing feeling in your gut of like, oh my god, if I love this thing, or I remember this memory and it's a very precious memory to me, and I forgot it, what other precious memories have I forgot? And so that's what this story is evoking, and I think that that's an integral part of Creepypasta, is that nostalgia. I think a lot of people abuse nostalgia and don't quite understand why it's so important, but I think that this story is going off of nostalgia in a way that other creepypasta other creepypastas haven't done uh, before or since. Hmm. I more see it as you know, like, I can totally picture, and you know, again, this is just all personal point of view and all that, but I can personally picture uh, Chris Straub having an idea for either a web comic or, you know, a cartoon, web cartoon, something like that about, you know, wouldn't it be cool, you know, to have this cartoon about like a creepy, you know, puppet so show, a creepy old puppet show, like, you know, the old things like you see on don't hug me, I'm scared, you know, that type of project, but, you know, having that concept and then saying, well, you know, I probably will never do anything with that, but I could write a story, you know, where people are remembering that. You know, so that, it sort of reads to me personally like trying to get that idea of the show out there and sort of using, like, the people as these mouthpieces, which, you know, I would have, and this is, you know, again, all subjective bullshit, but if there had been one person in this thread who didn't remember it, if there had been, you know, one person saying, you know, 
you know, I don't know what you guys are talking about. I was there at this time, and I don't remember that. Or if there was one person who said, oh, God, the skin taker, you know, I don't ever want to hear about this again, goodbye, you know, or something like that. Instead, it's sort of as, like, from start to finish, it's, yes, I remember that, and then the exposition, as I said. You know, there's, like, no little, uh, like you said, with the Fleming effect, you know, that you're a fan of. You know, if there was some little touch that was almost like a non-sequitur to the overall deployment of this idea of a television show. Someone coming in and saying, oh, is this the one with the clown? And someone saying, no, what the hell are you talking about? And he's like, oh, that must be something else. (laughs) You know, or whatever. You know, some little touch to make it read more like a conversation between people. I definitely feel the same way about that. Okay. And And that kind of goes into the idea of this. If this was an actual form, it would be more uh, successful. And you see how other uh, alternate reality game kind of things have been successful through being open and allowing people to contribute to the discussion and them kind of being out of the loop. And then all of the other characters that are important and, and have all of the things that advance the plot are just one person or a team of person writing it. Uh, so if this was a actual forum and this was an event that occurred, I think that the story would be better for it. It was also around before people actually really started taking off with that. Right. And it, it was a much more archaic version of that. But you also deal with that. And, and a lot of other great creepypastas that have kind of dealt with the idea of something that came into vogue and actually materialized later. So I'm not saying that it's great or that it's perfect. But you look at something like The Theater or Mr. Mix, and since those games have been around... Uh, th- those creepy houses have been around. Games have been created like those, and so the the medium had kind of people figured out that that wasn't good for the medium. Getting back to the idea of I have this idea and I want to get it out there. I will say, however, I feel like you're somewhat off base on the idea of he had this idea for a webcomic and just wanted to get it out there. Right. I'm sure that you have that feeling and that I have that feeling because we're both writers. And I'm sure that Chris has that feeling as well. Cause we, you know, you just get ideas in your head. I don't think that that's the case here. And, uh, I'll have trouble providing like an argumentation to that. Cause again, it's all subjective bullshit. But <laughs> well, I, yeah, I mean, I have no proof that I, that would be the case on my side. You know, like yeah. I have nothing to say other than just the feeling. So <laughs> yeah, right, really it's just sharing opinions at this point. So, but I will say, and this is something I missed when I was talking about the uh, forum in general and the believability of it. Does everybody have the story open? Yep. I just uh, want to say, not, but I know. okay, okay, good. I just want to say on this Net Nostalgia forum that basically we can assume is a website about nostalgia on the internet, of course. Uh, if you look at the usernames in an attempt to simulate realism i think that he kind of overshot and like overcorrected a bit Hmm. because you have numbers and underscores in every fucking name like they couldn't get the name that they wanted on this certain nostalgia forum like you know there were 33 sky shales you know there were 65 mike painters i mean and i could i can forgive that for you know people pick a username on one site and they may have to put a number two in it and they use that name 
everywhere else because now they're known as such and such too, you know. But for every name to be like Jaron underscore 2005, Skyshale 033, Mike underscore Painter 65, Kevin underscore Hart, you know, it, it kind of is like... Here's, here's why I think that that happens, <laughs> and here's my interpretation of it. Okay. When you go to a website and type in your real-life information, then it will be like, here's a suggested name, and mm-hmm. old people pick those. <laughs> and we're okay. talking about people who were kids during the 70s. We're not talking about me so or, or you or people our age. So we have to get out of that context and put yourself in old person mode, and they're just like... I want to be Sky Shell. And it's like, do you want to be this number of Sky Shell since Sky Shell's taken? It's like, well, I guess so. Well, do you, you think that... You're absolutely right about that. I'm going to go ahead. I'm sorry, Slami, but I got to go ahead and say <laughs> that he wins that point entirely because we cannot lose the context of the age that these people are using this website. He wins but that point you, completely. Where do you think they registered the names, though? I mean, do you think they're carrying over the 33 from Facebook, or do you think that there are 33 Sky Shales on the Net Nostalgia forum? I mean, go sign up for a Tumblr right now, and don't let it like let it suggest shit to you, and you'll be like, "What?" <laughs> I, what I, I mean is that, that Nostalgia the show was on around 71 or 72. Mike Painter 65 very well could have been born in 65 and was just old enough to catch stuff that was on TV. So he could be I Mike suppose. Painter, 1965. I mean, I'll gladly concede that, but I just don't think Net Nostalgia Forum is on par with Tumblr in terms of usage. <laughs> That's my only yeah, of course qualm. Not. <laughs> well, and, I mean, there was a time before Tumblr. And it's, it's weird to think of this, but there was a older demographic of people who did use computers <laughs> uh, in, in the earlier days of computers. Uh, they were very expensive things, and so it was like nerds and old hobbyists that used the internet, and it was all like, oh, let's talk about automotives here on the automotive subform of the shitty IRC that's gone now. Well, I mean, you know, back in the day, like the 90s, you know, mid-90s forward, uh, 90s kids. I, I basically have never had a number or an underscore in any user name I've used. I mean, I don't, you know, that's just... Again, that's speaking from personal anecdote. That's not really a point, but you know, my Slime my beast, hotmail address Slime used beast. to be petrock from hell at hotmail dot com because I you know <laughs> did, didn't want anything with an underscore or a number, so I just kept typing things until I got something. The four you of know, us here just, are creative you know. people. Hmm? The four of us here are creative people. This is true. <laughs> so there's that, <laughs> and and. Uh. We have to how get do, out of that how do norm- context. Chris is sitting there writing the story, and in his head, he just goes, "How do normal peons write their usernames?" Hmm. Yeah, I, I'm really <laughs> sure that he had the meta idea of these usernames are you know coming from old people, so they have auto-generated numbers at the end, and yeah, I'm, 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 it's, that's uh, what I think. I'll concede it, but I'm still not convinced. <laughs> you know what's you know what's weird is I'm writing a, a story that kind of has that similar concept of a of a forum uh and i was think trying to think how do i do these usernames like correctly and one thing i realized is that i should go and just look at like a wiki page and look at the names of different random people who edit wiki pages right and get inspiration there and so that's what i've been doing (laughs) so how many numbers and underscores we demand to know not a lot actually if anything it's a lot of uh 
names with capital letters at, like to differentiate the fact that one name is another like like um someone called mermaid amp is going to have like mermaid and then capital a on the amp but it's all one word you know mm. I'll, I'll also go into this real quick um if you've seen the chillicothe burn thing that i did that is also part of an art show and as part of that, I went on to websites like Topics and like Tumblr and found people discussing Chillicothe. And I found the accounts that would kind of like back up the bullshit I was writing. Mm -hmm. And then I would take that person's account online and find their like their image and their like the, the image that they use and like their name. And then I would like make other accounts online where I would like fabricate bullshit. So it was mixing real life things that these <laughs> people said with bullshit. That's awesome. Okay. <laughs> I was just throwing that out there to show how then cool of a person I am. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, uh, maybe you should take us on the next topic. Okay. Ching. Um, I will move on from the format of the story to the actual show. Are you interested in discussing the show at all or no? I'm interested in discussing yeah. the show. Okay. The story within the story. Yes. Um, as we know... I would assume uh, Candle Cove inspired by the Onion article about Lidsville. Mm -hmm. About someone having nightmares after watching the 70s you know, show about hat puppets and the person living with them, etc. and so forth. Which came first? Say what? Which came first, the article or... Oh, the article, yeah. The I mean, he cited, he cited that as the inspiration for the story. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I don't have too much judgment about stuff like that, but I would say that it is almost like a rewriting of the article as a new story, and not I'm not saying it's taken from it or plagiarized or anything like that, but I do think that's kind of, you know, a lot of people have that thing about you know, how, you know, how do you come up with this idea of having everybody watch this show and, you know, have it, these nightmares about it, and it's questionable whether it's a nightmare or an actual episode of the show, of course. And it sort of goes back to that thing of, well, it's, you know, basically the idea from the article and, you know, mixed a bit with Lazy Town and, <laughs> you know, the girl living with puppets and Yarhar Fiddly D being a pirate is all right with me. And, you know, it sort of is like you can at least and, you know, seeing the roots of inspiration in something is not any in any way derogatory or detracting from it. But it does sort of bring into question the whole thing about, you know, Candle Cove is this groundbreaking story about, you know, this and the other thing, and, you know, this inventive, you know, it's like, well, you know, you can sort of see the roots and the inspiration. It's, you know, maybe a little bit meh, you know, in terms of, you know, ba basically making, like, Lazy Town meets, you know, Lidsville article with poltergeist ending, you know, type mm -hmm. of thing, but it's not to say it's a terrible thing about it. Right. But that was sort of one of the little notes I made, is that, you know, it kind of brings it maybe from stellar genius creative marvel you know down a little bit to oh well you know i can see where that came from you know it's a good idea etc and so forth you know I, that's just a little nitpick as i said most of these are nitpicks right. so um if i may interject and i know i'm not supposed to, but to be <laughs> fair uh you've got the three people in this also in this uh in this call in this conversation who um analyzed 1999 Mm. And we we came to a lot of the same conclusions about 1999, where it was drawing inspiration from, and then eventually outright plagiarized from. Right. Everything before that, you could just tell where its sources were, you know? 
Yeah, and I mean, you know, Chris Straub openly says, you know, that it was inspired by that, so it's not a matter of, and then we watched a TV show and a girl with pink hair named Stephanie came on. You know, it's not, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it's not actually plagiarizing anything. I'm just, you know, sort of making that side point. Yeah. That, you know, Um, maybe it does bring a little bit of reasoning back to the idea of, you know, like a masterwork type thing that some people, you know, would claim. Yeah. And and we discussed... uh, what the differences are between plagiarism and recontextualizing something. And obviously mm-hmm. when you're talking about that, you're talking about something that is creepy and then you're making something creepy off of it. Right. And that's, that's generally a, a wag of the finger. No, no bad boy. <laughs> but what it, I think is kind of strange that you're focusing on that and not actually dealing with what makes the, the con the actual execution interesting and i think it's the imagery that is brought up and so i think that the 70s uh public access tv show aesthetic is kind of a cool idea and the way in which it is written is very vivid to me i get very vivid pictures in my head and then i hear uh then i see people making a fan art of it and i'm just like you fucked it up because it was so much cooler in my head it's true and 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 this is the same thing with like Oh, it's it's a uh, Mr. Widemouth, and then you see a picture of Mr. Widemouth, and it's like that wasn't the cool thing I had in my head, <laughs> right? And um, yeah, I mean, oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. And so you have the we're, we're not even like really dealing with the plot exactly of the of Candle Cove when you're dealing with um, the characters talking about Horace the Horrible, and they're building up Horace the Horrible, and they're like, isn't that fucked up? And then they're like. No, you're, you're, that's that's not the villain. The fucking skin taker is the villain. And then they right. descri- start describing that shit, and you're like, oh, it's fucking metal. And then you have... <laughs> and, yes, the, the skeleton who popped out, yes. Yes. <laughs> and the idea of... Um, th- they go to... They, they really discuss the techniques that you're going to see in this kind of stuff, where you have... Uh, the laughing stock, and you have two different versions of the la- laughing stock, and going back back and forth between them is very jarring, as you would expect on a shitty public access show where they don't merge the two very well. Right. And you have like, oh, it's he's uh, got a monocle on top of a mustache. It, they just have very vivid imagery, and by the time that they build up to like everyone screaming, and then someone comes in and kind of like knocks that idea down and says, "You're full of shit." that didn't happen and like people are like no actually i i remember that why do i remember that that i think is a good realization and it wouldn't be a good realization if it wasn't skillfully creating those images in your head so that's what i think of the actual plot of the show yeah i mean the thing is you know i look at it as as i said in the beginning i don't say it's a bad story i just think it's more you know, like, okay, well, that was interesting to read. I'm I think, done I with think that, you, put it aside, you know? <laughs> I, think, I think what you're saying in terms of knocking it down off of a legendary status, that's your strongest point. Mm. I still think that, one, it has the whole did-it-first kind of concept of, like, writing in a forum format. Again, problem of it not actually being a forum, but that sort of having um, an online discussion become a narrative Right. It was a trailblazer in that regard. I mean, in the creepy pasta world, yes, because I mean, you know, there have been 
you know, things written in uh, forum formats previously, but not, I would say probably not an entire short story that way. Like, I mean, you could pick up a novel, like in the 90s, 2000s, you know, when everything was like, radical, we're surfing the web, we're on the worldwide, you know, internet, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, you did have stories where it's like, you know, a psychological thriller, someone on the internet knows who she is, you know, that type of thing. And you would see, you know, in things, such and such has entered the chat, you're dead when I find you, you know, that type of thing. But, uh, you know, like in terms of as a subsection of a story. But I do think, you know, that it does have that did it first of maybe creepypasta, you know, in, in terms of posting, you know, a, sh- a short horror story on the web. Yeah. But I mean, you know, we, we are dealing that... with a very young medium, right? Uh, or rather a genre and a medium in a sense when you're dealing with the internet. Um, and so I think things that really do give you those points of here's how this is going to work in creepypasta are kind of important because you're dealing with, uh, old, st- old, you know, plays where it's like, you know, just Hamlet or or something like that. You have these different parts, and then you have something like um, Candle Cove coming along and says, "This is how you do that in creepypasta." Mm-hmm. And I think that that is very important. And even if you're not holding up that story as the best example of it, it is a a good guide of like. Here's the kind of shit you need to do. Here are the techniques. Do something with it. And it's it's the whole um, uh, Bob Ross thing of, I'm showing you how to do these techniques. Right. Speaking of public but you're access. Not, but, access. <laughs> yeah, but you're not copying. I don't want you to copy my painting. I want you to see these techniques, and we're going to let you loose on the world. I think right. that that's a very important thing. So even if you don't like the story, if you are a creepypasta author, I think it behooves you to read this and learn what techniques it has in store. Well, what, um, and I don't want to put you on the spot, so I'm not going to ask a direct question, but you know, the thing is, I wonder if anybody can do, uh, anything like candle cove again, without it being, you know, a candle cove ripoff. In other words, what, you know, if I were to directly ask you, you know, it's not like, you know, one of these things where I demand you tell me what I want to hear instead of David being the moderator of this. But <laughs> the thing is, you know, what would be the tools that can be applied to other future stories in a way that, you know, would be totally separate from and not, you know, would have no lines drawn to Candle Cove? I think I think that you said it yourself when you said, um, or I said it, whatever. So, <laughs> <laughs> when, if it was right, talking, I said it. If it was, <laughs> when, when we're talking about um, having these different characters and have and trying to figure out these different characters have very interesting ways of speaking. Some of them try and be as grammatically formalist as possible. Other ones are using colon close parentheses, winky faces, and tons of ellipses and cap locks. So we have these different people who are writing on the internet in different ways and in believable ways. You are there has there has to be someone who's like shit posting in the story and doesn't have regard for uh, proofreading, right. and you have to have someone who is a stickler about that. And you have to like figure out ways where you can just use the text and the medium at hand, being a forum, to tell the story. 
And so I think that plenty of people have, since uh, Candle Cove, used the techniques to write those kinds of stories. And I think that the natural natural evolution of that is ARGs where you're having, uh, you know, dumb fucks who don't know what's going on, like the Marks, <laughs> becoming a part of it and just saying random shit. And they're just like, what's going on here? <laughs> so, you, so you have with Everyman Hybrids, you know, you have all these people in the comments saying, did you see this shit? And then the Everyman Hybrid people being like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Why are you seeing Jeff this? is going to become Jeff the Killer. They got Slenderman. They got the rig. Jeff's going to become Jeff the Killer. They're doing a whole creepypasta thing. Has that actually yeah. come up? Oh, yeah, that's come up. And so you have these people who are entering into it like that, who aren't behind the curtain, who are trying to contribute. And so I think that that's the, the guiding message in Candle Cove of a, a technique that you can take away from it. Okay. So typing differently <laughs> for different characters, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm not trying, I'm not being belittling, but I'm thinking, you know, that is basically, I would think probably all that maybe is different about it. I don't know. You know, in terms of people typing, because I'm looking at the story and I'm thinking, you know, what I was saying before about... Where, you know, basically I, seeing where, the oh. author's hand and everything, and basically all that changes is the typing. Oh, man. Well, uh, David, you might be able to help me out with this. Um, oh, what's the name of that story where it's like a bunch of um, suggestions in a box? <laughs> <laughs> what was that I, called? I mean, you mean I the think... one where the suggestions in the box are transcribed from cards onto a digital file by one person? Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, I think that... Oh, gosh. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I think that story... I think that story was called... Um, um, oh, I don't remember. No Face <laughs> Children. Yeah, there you go. Black-Eyed Children. There it is. There you go. Abandoned by, by Doesnoid, I think it was. Mm. Abandoned by Universal Studios. <laughs> and the Shrek costume got up. Oh, God. You got an all-star. But yeah, I mean, we we kind of got back onto this the format nice of it, run. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that's the thing is is the format is the, a, a very interesting part of it to me. I don't think right. that you see the value in that, but I think that the silliness of the format um, actually kind of helps it out. The idea that you would have all of these just random fucks makes it more realistic. And I wish my they were bit, more my, random and fucky. That yeah, that, that's the thing is I think that that is, that is what needed problem. to be pushed forward, and it wasn't pushed yep. forward as much as it could. Go ahead, Nick. Hmm? That goes right back to the reality base. Is that that's exactly it? Is that can I believe in the reality of these people posting? No, no, I cannot. For the for the reasons that you just mentioned, and another very good reason, as I'm going through this. It's doing the very classic, mediocre to bad creepypasta cliche of things just get worse and it just gets scarier and scarier and more <laughs> horrifying images. And, and there are actions like people screaming and moaning and crying and, you know, growling without, without context, without need. It seems as if the idea that the writer had in his head for this show was overproduced. Like, completely so. Like, horror has to do a lot with subtlety. 
Like I mentioned, I made I made the parallel in a Christmas horror story of horror is like sex, <laughs> but guess what? Horror is not supposed to be porn. From what I'm seeing here and what I see a lot of, people are going for straight porn here. They're going for the over the top, completely money shot bullshit. Like like for for instance, one of the things that I cannot take right now. Oh God! Yes, the little girl Janice. I remember seeing her shake, and the skin taker screaming through his gnashing teeth, his jaw <laughs> careening so wildly. I thought it would come off its wire hinges. How can you honestly expect a legitimate person to a write that way, and for us b to believe in the reality that he saw that? You can't. You can't. <laughs> I, I think. I think it's that boring. you can. I, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. And it's a common complaint that I have of people who are trying to write creepypasta and don't understand what it is. And the, the word that I always use to describe it is saccharine. It's just too sweet. It's too idealized. It's to use a, uh, a more classical term. It's too romantic as opposed to being uh, realistic. I yeah. don't think, I don't think that that one instance of, uh, verbiage in the story um, knocks it down. What I like is that you have all of these people doubting each other's accounts and really trying to come to terms with like what happened. And so you hear the people saying, no, you don't understand. This was a dream. It was bullshit. I just have this memory and I'm sharing it. So they're kind, they're trying to lampshade what happened as much as possible and throw doubts onto their own ideas and so that is what I think makes it realistic because you wouldn't if you remember this shit, this is actually in your head. You would be like, I'm remembering this wrong. This didn't happen. And so the community of them coming to terms with what happened is what's interesting to me and what I think makes it not saccharine and not over the top. Except that we don't see that slapback from that one instance. Jiren2005 is the one who wrote that about the skin taker screaming through his gnashing teeth, jaw careening so wildly. If we roll right to the next one, it's Mike Painter delivering the revelation with nothing to be said about what Jiren posted. Before that, there's nothing that Jiren says in relation to the whole it was a dream thing or no, it was an episode thing. He just kind of pops up and says... Actually, in relation to an actual episode, he is agreeing, yes, this was an actual episode, and delivering the description, with nobody giving a rebuttal right after. Mm. So you have the money shot right there, and it's terrible, <laughs> to be honest. Well, it's very I feel like we're, I feel like we're, we've moved on to the twist of it. I just wanted to cover yeah. you know, some points about the show. You know, just I'm, I don't want to take up a lot of time, but maybe just quickly... Uh, we, you well, know, I feel like it that's is the thing. That's the thing right there is we need to have conversation about creepypasta because no one is really fucking doing it except us, really uh, pretty <laughs> much just us. And I think that you need to have these kind of conversations to do, do what I'm saying is, is happening here. Candle Cove, I think, is a good story to go off of. And the fact that we're having this conversation needs to happen if we want to impart what is so interesting about creepypasta. That's why we need to have discussions like this. So mm-hmm. be as long-winded as you want. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, on that note, I hope you've got a lot of space on your 
hard drive for this file. Oh, uh, uh, no, I'm going to die. <laughs> I basically, as I said before, I think this is a very loaded... Uh, it's like a pill to deliver the show premise. You know, it's it's very heavily loaded with the idea of the television show, you know, which I think possibly is why, you know, in some opinions or some, you know, other people may disagree, why the format of it, you know, maybe suffers a little bit is because basically a lot of the attention is put into the story of the show. Like, that's the really detailed thing with the little facets and the little foibles and you know little tweaks here and there whereas the overall story itself of the forum posts you know doesn't really have those little touches other than you know as we've mentioned you know we have covered some things that are interesting about it that are details but uh to me you know this sort of falls into a lot of the classic uh tropes though the show itself and I referenced this before as sort of like a joke but you know it is that thing of a skeleton popping out <laughs> You know, the the main bad guy is a skeleton, you know, which there's all this description of Horace the Horrible. He's a mustache over teeth with a monocle, and some people draw him as just that. Some people draw him, you know, differently, whatever. You know, you get sort of an interesting idea in your head of what you think that looks like. I actually you really know, like the... Skin taker, human skeleton. <laughs> you know, it's sort of like, oh, all right, well... <laughs> well, I mean, I, I kind of agree with you there. I, I actually think uh, the concept... I mean, you see, like, the, the most iconic image that's done of Candle Cove, and it's, like, sort of like a poster, and the they don't. it's not the skin taker who gets featured most right. prominently there. It's that tall yellow teeth, that mustache, and that one eye, and I really mm-hmm. like that interpretation of that character. I'm like, that's an interesting visual image for something that could be an unassumed uh, the villain of an unassuming kids show you know right but it's not him it's the skin taker right the skin taker i think is kind of a weight around the story's neck uh Mm. you know what is he what is his line uh i'm not gonna look it up skin yes what are why do you have those teeth or something to grind your skin i mean it's grandma what big teeth you have the better to eat you with you know, it's sort of is like this kind of millstone is the skin taker character where it's like, all right, okay, there's a super, you know, there's a child catcher, you know, from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang-esque, <laughs> you know, overlord bad guy, you know, who sort of, you know, is there to be scary. And that's, you know, Horace the Horrible is scary because as a design, as it, as he is described... You know, that's something that could not be intended to be scary. And yet it comes out of the description, it comes out of production for the show as terrifying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, probably through no fault of the people who made the puppet. Kind of, you know, it just turns of, out that way. It's kind of the, the same idea with is, the... Hmm? It's kind of the same idea with the uh, the, the way that... And you, you touched on this earlier, Dead Pal, the way that the it's jarring whenever they show the laughing stock. I'm sure, right. like, the idea is that it was intended to be, like, oh, look at this whimsical, charming thing. And because of the the low budget and the way it was designed, it come it came out a lot more terrifying than it was supposed to. Mm. So, I mean, obviously, again, we, we know the, the twist at the end, so, you know, that renders a lot of it moot. But at the same time, it's for the sake of believability, you can see that and go, oh, okay, I can see how that could be perceived as scary and, and creepy, you know, without right. maybe intentionally trying to be so. So... Uh, anyway, I just wanted to add my two cents there. <laughs> and, and I think I'll go off about talking about um, the idea that you're bringing up of an archetype. I don't know that that's a bad thing, that you're mm. you're going off of a, of a trope. Um, I think that uh, I need people to give me money for my video series. 
uh, <laughs> tropes versus creepypasta. I, I think that there's, there, there's nothing necessarily wrong with going to an archetype. I think that what you need to do with an archetype is really make it your own and sell it as your own. And I think that the image of the skin taker is different enough from, you know, other kinds of skeleton things that, that it does become its own thing, especially with the idea of having a cape made out of human flesh. That's that to me is really cool. And as I <laughs> to, to reinstate is fucking metal. Um, it it's, cannot, it cannot be intended for a kid's show. And that's kind of the premise that they're going off here is um, the idea of what's acceptable for children to see now has changed. And and we have, um, you know, like, oh, we can't show uh, Bugs Bunny smoking a cigar anymore because that's just something children can't see. And they're kind of like reminiscing on this of like, wow, they used to let us watch some crazy stuff when we were a kid. So they're kind of trying to justify this thing happening in their head. They're like, Wow, that that did happen. What a different time, huh? <laughs> and then slowly but surely it becomes more surreal and more um it, impossible for them to like show this to children. And that I think is the the crux of why I like that character because it's not about um the character itself being scary. It's this character is scary in a way that is inappropriate for children to see. I guess that my primary problem with it, I understand, you know, that point of it. My primary concern about it is that, you know, as I say, it's that rehashing of, you know, I mean, if you, if you think of a skeleton and you think of an evil skeleton, it's probably going to be wearing a top hat. <laughs> I don't know if that's just me, but you know, it's that thing is, of is like it, the, tat- is it going the to tattoo have... on the, I'm sorry, get is it going to have a cape made out of human skin? Well, see, that's the thing. You know, I'm I'm going back to, you know, a skeleton. You know, basically saying, you know, and the main villain was a demon from hell, or the main villain was a skeleton. You know, it's sort of like a placeholder horror, you know, character. Um, top hat, cane. You know, I'm not saying that the skin taker has a cane, but I'm saying, you know, the classic image of a top hat, cane cloak, you know, skeleton, you know, that's sort of an evil, nefarious, ne'er-do-well kind of character. And, you know, there is the thing thrown in of his outfit is made of skin, you know, but I'm like, you know, to me, I don't really know if that does much to take it away from the thing you might see tattooed on a badass's arm of a skull with a top hat and a cigar, you know. Like, does that really bring it from sort of a almost like a little bit of a fart in the story <laughs> you know, to, to, you know, something where, okay, well now, you know, that removes the odor of, you know, if you'll forgive the term on originality of, you know, picking a skeleton that pops out in the story, you know, um, well, it just, I mean, I going, going to something that you said that I think got a, a few people's Jimmy's wrestled when you were <laughs> talking about, uh, Jeff, the killer, not sucking. And, well, you said, yeah. and you said that um, do, do the stories about Jeff the Killer suck? Uh, yes, but does that mean that he sucks? The same thing with something like uh, Jason. 
there have been a bunch of shitty Jason movies, does that mean that Jason is a bad character? Right. No. But what is Jason? He's a fucking guy in a emotionless mask. How many of those are there? <laughs> <laughs> well, and see, so, that's you, the thing. so you're I... you're kind of defending that, and then right. Well, I'm saying you know basically, it's sort of like almost a reverse, where I'm saying you know the stories that Jeff the Killer is in suck, but does the the idea of, you know, a general idea of a psychopath, you know, that is sort of an iconic you know, look, an iconic way of, you know, going about it, even if it's stolen from the Joker, even if it's stolen from whatever else, you know, does that necessarily mean that this is a bad character? Because the stories suck. Not necessarily. So, you know, sort of the flip side of that is I feel like the skin taker is kind of an under underdeveloped classic skeleton villain, you know, given the little twist of his things being skin, you know, does that mean the story sucks? And I'm saying no in this instance. You know, I'm not saying that it's garbage. I'm just saying, you know, the flip side argument of, okay, well, here's a character that maybe is a little bit stale. You know, does that mean the story as a whole sucks? Not really. I just sort of feel like it would have been better if the character hadn't been stale. That's mm. all. You know, that's and my point. Let me preempt this because <laughs> I'm sure there's going to be a bunch of comments straight up on my side and there's going to be a bunch of people shouting you down oh well the minute you said that, that jeff i said jeff the killer doesn't suck i basically lost no. it for anybody watching this oh yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah but what i'm saying is people in the comments are going to say no candle cove is a great story mm-hmm. um it still needs to be broken down people <laughs> okay yeah. like i love it still needs to be broken down yeah right um i mean that the thing with uh, the skin taker goes back to like a larger point I was going to make about, you know, yes, it is based on nostalgia horror, you know, like uh, child's play or puppet master, you know, uh, Man. even things like maybe Jack Frost, you know, where you have a, a snowman that goes around killing people. You know, it goes back to that nostalgic thing of, holy crap, things from our childhood aren't supposed to be scary and murderous, you know, that type of thing. Um, puppet master. Yeah, Puppet Master, you remember? (laughs) Oh, man, so good. So good. Yeah, I'm not saying saying the films are bad. I'm just saying, you know, it it comes from a long tradition of harmless, you know, childhood things, you know, made scary. Like, you know, the uh, captain of the laughing stock being, you know, essentially the trope of the creepy doll. You know, the China doll head and the mismatched parts, you know, so on and so forth. You know, it, it sort of... The thing with uh, Skin Taker, I didn't want to focus too much on that, like, you know, I really hate the Skin Taker type thing. I just sort of was drawing to a point of, with the exception maybe of Horace the Horrible, you know, it is basically the tropes of scary puppets, scary dolls, and skeletons, you know, that type of thing with, you know, the little touches, you know, that maybe change it a little bit, and some, you know... I'm sure that probably your position and the position of a lot of people would be that those changes make all the difference. But, you know, my point being, you know, does the format work? You know, not necessarily for me. And so that brings us down to does the show work? You know, the story within the story. And for me, I do think that it has merit, of course. You know, I'm not going to say it's crap because it's not. But is it necessarily stellar as a work of creative fiction? Is it original does it intrigue me to want to see more of it? You know, that type of thing is where I think it sort of falls flat just personally for me. 
Hmm. I think you know that thing of do I want to see creepy dolls and a skeleton, you know, and be like, whoa, this is you know, where can I see more of this? It's like, well, in any you know movie or story, (laughs) you know what I mean? Uh, Because we're reasonable people, reasonable people, we keep agreeing with each other. But I think that to a degree, I think the that Candle Cove's legendary status has been earned through the things that I said that it did, like trailblazing the idea of having multiple uh, form people talk about it. And then, so I I still think it's really successful. It is still pretty overrated. Not extremely, not extremely, but pretty overrated. So it's earned its spot because it's a classic and it has, you know, that stuff going for it. So why are we debating this instead of just making tropes versus creepypasta? (laughs) Because I could be your John McIntosh. Okay, so we're just going to delete all of this, and we're yes. going to start working on... <laughs> start again. Actually, one thing I really wanted to mention during the discussion is that I like how every so often, uh, you know, it, it was it, it's you guys, and then Nick comes in, and he's like, here's this thing, I here's what I know about it from a really intrinsic level about tropes. And I appreciate that from you, Nick, by the way. <laughs> Thanks. It's just, it's looking through it, it's... It is overrated. But it earned its notoriety in the first place from what it did. It had trailblazing factor as it took a new format. It took a new approach. Um, It was more or less an original idea. It's just that once he started writing this, once he hit the pay dirt and started going through it, you know, it turns... It turned a little bit porny, as as I said earlier. (laughs) It, It went a little bit too hard in uh in some of the things that it was trying to do and be super scary, you know? And uh the, the tropes scary exist, the tropes her. are there. <laughs> and uh the believability is a little low for certain things, but overall this story I can see why it's considered a classic. Like many classics today, things that are referred to as classic have been beaten by modern creations. And we just don't accept that because, you know, you don't want to piss on the sacred cow. But right. when you actually have a sacred cow that's this close to uh, what we're creating today and what we're discussing about it now, it's that we can we can dissect it and we can say, you know what, I can see where this succeeded, but I can see how it was overblown. And and I'll go on to something that you are much more educated on: uh, Marble Hornets and uh, Everyman Hybrid and Tribe Twelve. The things that are going to come out in the future are going to blow those three fucking things out of the water. We just haven't gotten there yet. There are going to be well, people who, who, who think... Well, we technically have. I haven't begun talking. I haven't started talking about it. What I'll say right now, before even doing a video on it, is that meat, meat sleep, is blowing me the hell away with the shit that he's getting away with, with, with the things that he's come up with, or she, nobody knows. <laughs> what they're doing is groundbreaking they're changing the game and it's it's already happening <laughs> it's already happening uh um, so we should probably wrap up with the uh, twist yeah right. let's talk about the twist because as rl stein said at the end of the goosebumps movie except it wasn't actually rl stein or was it we will never really know there's <laughs> the beginning the middle and the twist Ooh. shall i as usual, for to it. start yammering. Yeah. Okay. All right, Shatterbox McGee, um, go for it. 
so yeah, I mean, part of the twist, I think that the, in my personal opinion, the dream slash episode with the moaning and the screaming and the twitching and so on, you know, sort of plays in a little bit into the twist because it comes toward the end where, you know, people are like, that can't be true. And then there's like the big description and so on and so forth. And from a certain standpoint, yes, that is disturbing. But from another standpoint, I wonder how much more impact the final twist would have had without that. You know, huh. the the fact of the show not existing when it already was creepy, you know, I feel like maybe that would have had a bit more impact as a holy shit moment if it hadn't already, and I want to use the term jumped the shark, but that's probably not the right term, but if it hadn't already jumped the shark a bit with that, you know, was it a dream, was it real episode, you know, to find out it wasn't real at all would be like, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, the show with all this creepy stuff that wasn't good for kids or right for kids or whatever, you know, it turned out it wasn't real. Wait a minute. What does that even mean? But, you know, I think it kind of almost prepares you for that, you know, in sort of a little bit of a way by saying straight up right before that. Also, there's an impossible dream slash episode in which horrible things happened. And, you know, for some reason, people are saying that wasn't an episode, presuming they've seen all the episodes. <laughs> that was well, a dream you had, not an episode. Maybe it's one you missed. Oh, sorry. Bye. You're, you're, uh, going, you're going off on this idea of um, the way that the story is written is letting it get away with murder. And you're saying that the plot itself doesn't have much. And then that the way that it's written is giving the story more weight than it should have. I think that... If the story was, let, let's just swap it out and say that it's uh, a show that I'm just going to make all off the top of my head, like um, uh, Sheep in the Big City. Let's say there's like a cartoon <laughs> called Sheep in the Big City. Uh, and everyone like, it, it's just the show where a sheep goes to a big city and nothing interesting happens. And then there's a ranting Swede. Um, we, wa- we all watch the show independently and then find out that it was static would you read that to the end? Would there be anything there to get you to that twist? Or would the story just be then the twist? Whereas here, we have cool imagery, interesting format in my opinion, and then twist that really does just blindside you. So you can say, you can say that you can predict it or, or that there's these foreshadowing things. I think that that adds to it. I will say that my personal comparison would be more akin to the sixth sense with Bruce Willis, M night Shyamalan, etc. Um, it more to me is like if you had sat through that movie to the ending and found out spoiler alert, that Bruce Willis has been a ghost the whole time, you know, you can look back and see the touches here and there that give you the foreshadowing. But to me, what candle cove does right before the payoff at the end is essentially like if the film had said, and right before it's revealed he's a ghost, you know, there's this shocking scene where he walks through a wall and you're like, (laughs) Oh, wait a minute. (laughs) Yeah. You know (laughs) know what? what You're right. You're right. (laughs) I don't know. You know, I'm not necessarily saying that, you know, mine is the ultimate position, but I'm just saying that to me personally, that's how it feels. You know, there was a dark room and all the puppets were twitching and screaming and the girl who was, presumably an actress, looked as if she was in legitimate pain and had been for hours. You know, by the way, the show wasn't real. It's like, oh. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, 
I don't know that that's a apt analogy because you're talking about something that would destroy the twist. Because that wouldn't be foreshadowing. That would be telling you, no, Bruce Willis is the fucking ghost. Whereas well, in this, yeah. what you're dealing with is a story that's building to a climax of, holy shit, this is real. This is real. We're all like freaking out because this is real. And then no, it's it's uh, all in our heads. So it's well, a completely I mean, think- it's it's building up to one kind of horror, which is, um, as Chris Straub puts it, breaking the trust with children, and and that whole thing. And then the twist is a, a different kind of horror. So that's why I think the twist is successful, because it's a twist. Hmm. <laughs> what, what you're describing, I don't think invalidates the story, because it was still an interesting story, and then it just gets retroactively <laughs> blindsided by this interesting idea of we all have these memories together through watching Static. Right. But do you suppose that, let's say in any regard, you know, even a little bit, do you suppose that the question of whether or not that episode is a dream in people's heads, do you think that at all spoils or, you know, maybe goes a little bit too far before the reveal of the show essentially being a dream, but not, you know, in literal terms, but, you know, just being in people's heads? No. No. Oh, okay. Agree to disagree. Simple answer. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, that's just my personal feeling on it, you know. Yeah. Well, I think that we've um, pretty thoroughly discussed this, and I think that we pretty much have, you know, as much as we're taking these different opinions, I think that we have a whole lot of common ground on what it is that we're talking about. Oh, yeah. But uh, – now that we're done with this, when it's time to do uh, Tales of the Laughing Stock, and you are uh, on the positive opinion that you enjoy it and I hate it, so go. <laughs> well, I, I hate to pull a Columbo on you, but one more thing. <laughs> one more thing before I go. I was about to walk out go the door it. and end the episode. I have one final question about this entire story. Here if is. this Who show was is static. I'm sorry? Who was phone? Who was phone? It was the mother. Um, oh, shit, it's been revealed. I'm going to have to bleep that out. <laughs> um, if this show is indeed static, and at least this you know, certain handful of people on this forum all similarly sat down every day to watch static, we can assume probably there are more people who did it that aren't on this forum. Uh, let's say maybe... Even 20 to 40 kids in the small area, you know, watching static for a half hour or whatever it is every day at 4 o'clock or whatever. How is it that nobody on this forum in this thread has ever heard from a dad, mom, sibling, cousin, uncle, best friend, old, you know, babysitter that they were watching static? Why would they bring that up in conversation? Wouldn't it be like, why are you watching because Static? They were kids <laughs> sitting down for a half hour at a time watching Static. None of them <laughs> have been child therapists. I mean, <laughs> okay, okay. So here's the thing: I work in child care, mm-hmm. and every Friday we have movie day, and the kids shut shut up and sit in front of the TV, and adults have quiet time. 
Oh, I see. Why okay. would you ruin that? <laughs> okay. All right. So for anybody out there keeping score, Dead Palette will let your wa- children watch a half hour of Static. <laughs> if they if they are chill with that, go for it. Okay. It's it's a lot better than watching uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory for a 50th time, because kids <laughs> like that movie for some reason. Not Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Not Factory. Not Willy Wonka. No. I, so, I, Charlie I, weep and Char- for, I weep for you. I weep for humanity. <laughs> so yes, the answer to the ultimate question of why nobody was ever told they were watching Static is that their parents, their siblings, their cousins, their extended family, their best friends, and so on, wanted quiet time away from the kid. <laughs> it's, called, it's, called the, it's called the electronic pacifier. <laughs> oh, man. Ah. Uh. Well, um, that was a surprisingly uh, civil throwdown that happened there. Oh, fuck you. I mean, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I just ruined it. God damn it. Ah. <laughs> ah, see? Pulled it there. So, uh, so, Nick, as sort of the newcomer to all this, uh, who, do you, who do you think uh, you agree with more here? Not, mm, let's, not is the story good or bad, who argued better? Or both. There you go. Well, the thing is that you, you you both did have like a lot of agreement points, which is fantastic because you know when when two people come to the table with different ideas and they can find several things to agree on, those things can be generally regarded as <laughs> fact. That's that's kind of how science works. But um, who argued it better? If would it help to say something to the effect of my position is that. It is not a very good story. And Dead Palette, your position would be... That it is indicative of creepypasta qualities. (laughs) Good luck, Nick. (laughs) Both of those are correct, though. Both of those are correct. (laughs) Wonderful. I... And now the and now the and now the uh, spotlight's on you. So because I could I could sit my here. Opinion, my opinion is that it definitely is overrated. It really is, and it has its flaws, but it also has just as many merits. Honestly, it it it, it did establish the groundbreaking idea of you know you take something on the internet, you take a specific way that the internet works, and you tell a story through its means, which. Here, it did that through a forum posting about something that happened a long time ago. And it's these people getting together and talking it out over the internet on a forum. That's that's new. That's different. Mm-hmm. But as an actual story... <laughs> no, I can't believe that as a story. Flow. I can't. I can't. Yeah. Because you know what? I Reading it as I did... I cannot accept the reality of these characters in the way that they are speaking, in the way that they're remembering things, and the way that they're interacting with each other. And belief is the first cornerstone of a story. If I don't believe your lie, then why am I even listening? You're not a good the, liar. It's, so, the first cor- no, it's, it's not a good story. It's, the first, cor- it's, the, it's the first cornerstone of creepypasta as well, because the belief has yeah. to be even deeper. Oh, yeah. it's not just suspension of disbelief it's yeah and my, my this is 99 percent real 
and there's this one percent of bullshit that's hidden in the ninety nine percent that's real. So, <laughs> yeah, which this does not achieve. Therefore, it's not a good story. If I had to, if I had to pick an opinion statement, again, both of them are correct because it does. It's not a good story, but it does definitely have indicative tropes of creepy pasta, and you know, lays the groundwork for things to come. Those are both correct, but it's not a good story. It's not. It doesn't work as a story. So, Slimy, you win it. <laughs> but ah. by applying here, because you basically have the same arguments. <laughs> so wh- what is my prize? I forgot to ask. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, respect, I guess. <laughs> well, well, now now Dead Palette gets to rap for us. <laughs> oh, right. yeah. Let's go into this. All right. So, um... David, cut it there. <laughs> nope. Nah. Not you want us to get you started with a beat? God, no. I'm too monotone to this. You want us to beat you until this. you start? <laughs> uh, I'm amenable to that. <laughs> well, um, tell you what, I'll, 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 I'll be merciful this time, and we'll, we'll, we'll work out some other negotiation about. Uh, what the winner winner gets here, but by a very very narrow hair. I want to actually thank you guys for all coming on to do this and you know have this discussion. I think it's great, and I think this is uh, this is the kind of thing we need to keep doing, and uh, uh, for sure, just you know having these these discussions. And so that being said, I think I might end this recording, and then we'll immediately dive into something else. <laughs> Who knows? Ooh. Yes, because is I it have bed. Huh? Is it bed? Are we diving into bed? I don't know. Are you tired? Uh no. Okay, then we're not diving into bed. Unless Why you're thinking of something. Why do you have to be tired like... to dive into bed to together? I don't understand. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm dense. So. <laughs> this podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at benviewnetwork.com. <laughs>